0: Hello and welcome back to Comics Over Time, where we shine a spotlight on classic comic stories and the TV shows or big-screen blockbusters they inspired. We'll look to connect the dots from the comic book panels to the moving pictures, examining where the adaptation followed the comics closely and where they decided to go their own way. And when we're done, we'll try and answer that most important of questions, who told the tale best? My name is Dwayne, and with me, as always, my good buddy Dan... Dan, how's it going?
1: Really well. It's been a beautiful weekend up here in uh, North Dakota slash Minnesota where I was out getting the boat off off the lake and everything this weekend. Exhausting, but a lot of fun. I'm ready to hang out and talk some comics with you now.
0: Yes, we uh, we've got we've got we've got some interesting comics to talk about this. Right. It's,
1: it's gonna be a weird week as far as the actual comics. What we're getting ready for of course is a look next week at Endgame, the big, you know, finale of Phase 3 that I think most of us have to agree is one of the more impressive comic book movies ever made. They pulled everything together and actually stuck the landing, right? So what we're looking at now are just some comics that kind of exist in the orbit to some of the themes of Endgame, because there really is not an Endgame story in the comics,
0: now, we, we looked at Infinity War because there really is some kind of books that kind of tie directly to that, but those same books kind of hit Endgame as well because there wasn't really kind of that same conclusion to the story. It, it sort of kind of ended differently than they ended up doing in the MCU.
1: Movies have a different cadence, and that idea of there being the five-year gap is possible in a medium where you actually have so long taking to make each movie that you can say, you know, people have gotten five years older or whatever. In right. the comic books, having all your characters or half of them dead for five years so you could pull off a cool plot element would have been really difficult for Marvel. So, a little bit different in terms of the way that they pulled this off.
0: Right. So we'll get into the stack here in just a minute, but first we're going to talk some comic book news. And Dan, uh, we got some interesting news that came out of the New York City Comic Con here uh, a couple weeks ago that I had to had to share with you. And it is Jeff the Baby Land Shark and Alligator Loki assemble a super powered pet team for the upcoming series Infinity Paws. Yes, that's right. We yep. have. Jeff the Landshark, Alligator, Loki, and your favorite super-powered pets will assemble in a new event series titled Infinity Paws, obviously based on the Infinity War uh, series from from both the comics and and in the MCU. It's now time for a similar event to play out with your fan-favorite animals like Jeff the Landshark, Carol Danvers's... Feline Companion Chewy, Alligator Loki, and Lucky the Pizza Dog. So this was announced during the Next Big Thing panel at the New York City Comic Con. And it is launching spring of 2024. There's a cover image uh, available within this article on comicbook.com. And of course, a tagline that reads, The crossover of the Century yes so this you're shaking your head
1: this has been a big thing in marvel the last few years they and this is kelly thompson who's done all sorts of stuff that i love she's written a bunch of captain marvel stuff and she's been on a number of other books that i think i've even mentioned as recommendations here over the last few months but in one comic she made this weird little adorable shark named jeffrey and Somehow he has now taken off as a character that they've made a couple of one-shots for and the like, and people adore him, and evidently they're now expanding their anthropomorphic adorable animal line and and making some some crossover-type elements. So this is kind of nuts. It's cool just to see people having fun in the comic books, though, so I'm fine with it. I will probably not read a lot of the Jeff the Landshark comics, but there you go each their
0: own i know him as jeff the baby land shark because that's what they refer to him actually in marvel snap he has a card that is actually very very powerful of, that i've played a lot of him and uh yeah apparently this is going to be a uh series released specifically on marvel unlimited uh and uh it's going to be available early next year it's it's there was actually come to think of it there was like some things I'd seen online just this last week or so talking about uh a new issue of a Jeff the Landshark uh digital comic within Marvel Unlimited and so they're definitely doing some things with him uh in the uh in the uh Marvel Unlimited space there it seems. Interesting
1: always seems to me that he would be similar to Jabberjaw like he's a small version of Hanna-Barbera's Jabberjaw but yeah I don't I don't think I've been playing snap since is, is Jeff a relatively newer card like something that's uh, come out in the last six about, months ago
0: yeah he's about about a year Um okay. it, or it was like February I think when he came out if I remember right
1: yeah, so I have not re- seen that I had to go take a look that is adorable
0: Yes, it 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 definitely is uh speaking (sighs) of marvel unlimited we've got some new books that are available this week blade number one moon knight number one or moon knight city of the dead number one becomes available and probably the biggest one fallen friend the death of miss marvel is now available on marvel unlimited so if you haven't had a chance to see that that is now available for you to to, to read through Marvel Unlimited. Uh, otherwise, Deadpool, Black Panther, The Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Gwen, Venom, The X-Men, and The New Mutants all have new books that are going to be available this week on Marvel Unlimited.
1: Excellent. Good stuff. It has been some really good reading, actually. I, I had largely given up on Marvel new stuff. For a few years, partly because it's super expensive to keep up on everything and it's connected. And since actually getting Marvel and Univ- Marvel Unlimited to do these podcasts, I've really been impressed by a lot of the books coming out. I'm still horribly confused by the X titles and trying to actually keep them straight, but for the most part, uh, the Marvel Universe is, is a lot of fun these days. Um, yeah, good stuff. I... Dan, do you have a
0: recommendation for us this week?
1: Yeah, I I was out of the loop on these when they first came out. But Chip Zdarsky actually has done a lot of stuff. He started out a few years ago with a kind of lauded book called Sex Criminals and has proceeded on to do a lot of other things. He's an artist and a writer. He started as an artist for the most part. But this one he actually wrote and drew the entire book. About five issues it's kind of like a retelling of the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby feud a little bit, where there's this artist who ended up being the sort of the co-creator of some of the most famous movie characters of, of modern times, and he'd never really gotten his due or gotten much money off it. And he spins out a really interesting kind of um, sort of a, a gentle story. There's no actual super heroics. It's just... People kind of being people, but really a spectacular book. It's called Public Domain. Uh, came out last year, I think. Like I said, I just now got around to reading it. Highly recommended, and it's nominated for all sorts of awards and stuff. So I'm not by any means the only person who's enjoying this book, but I would uh, I would recommend checking it out if you uh, if you see it around.
0: We will link to the first issue on image comics, website. And I love this. I was looking at that and at the last, there's two paragraphs that talk about what the, what the book is. And then it says, hi, it's me, Chip. I'm writing this solicitation. So he was in fact writing the solicitation to his own comic book.
1: Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he's an interesting dude. Very cool fellow, very active on social media and stuff. Um, Excellent, excellent guy to to kind of follow, and and anything he's working on is probably going to be pretty entertaining. He's also done some really cool mainstream superhero stuff like Daredevil runs and things like that.
0: All right, that is going to do it for us for the news. Dan, let's jump in and let's talk about the stack for this week.
1: All right, so our rationales on these are really going to be crazy. So stick with us, folks. Um, we went with three different I went with three different groups of books. Here's the reason behind them. We start out with what if from back in the 70s, number five. And this book is actually a what if Captain America and Bucky had survived World War II, right? In Endgame, hopefully this isn't a spoiler for too many of you. One of the things that is nice about Endgame is it allows Captain America to kind of have a little bit of closure and the ability to go back and reclaim the life he lost in the ice, right? And I think that What If Number 5 shows you how long Marvel fans have kind of been wanting to see that happy ending for Cap, even though it goes kind of bad at the end of What If, and so we'll talk about that. But that idea of Cap not, you know, what What would the Marvel Universe look like? What would the world look like if Captain America had been there through the 50s and 60s and the like? Uh, the second series of books is called Avengers Endgame Prelude. And since we're coming to the end of this group of podcasts where we're dealing with a bunch of comic books and then the adaptations of those comic books into movies... I think it's interesting to now have the opportunity to look at a group, a movie and how it is adapted into a comic book and how that yeah. may or may not have the been reverse. a successful thing. So what we're looking yeah. at actually is Marvel Avengers Endgame Prelude number 1 through 3 which has nothing to do with Endgame. It's actually the first 3 or the it's 3 comics that basically retell Infinity War Almost plot point for plot point within comic book form. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see how effective that was and what what Dwayne thought of this. And then last we have Guardians of the Galaxy number one through six, which we're living in at the end of Endgame in and in a world where Thanos is dead. Guardians one through six sort of looks at. What's it like when Thanos dies and how does the Marvel Universe react? So we'll check those out, see how it goes.
0: That one through six is from 2019. Uh, I know there's been lots of different uh, redos of the Guardians, including a current run that's going on. Uh, But yeah, this book, this set of books is from 2019. so So if you want to go looking for it, that's the one to look. All right, Dan. Let's jump in and let's talk about the stack. We have our first book in the stack, I guess. What if Volume One, Number Five, from way back in the seventies. This was this was an old school book, and actually my first What If book, if I if I
1: recall correctly. Really? Yeah, I suspect it probably would be. So we haven't we haven't looked at a lot of these. Uh, I used to really enjoy What If back in the day because they were generally kind of a a comic where they would do stuff crazy enough that it would just mess up the whole Marvel universe if they imagined it in a regu- real story. So they just brought them in in these where you could get an idea of how the world would be different if a certain hero wasn't there or if they had different powers or whatever. So
0: so these So these aren't really considered as part of marvel continuity then these are these are really just sort of imagined scenarios that don't really tie into the larger sort of
1: so the weird thing is you know when we've talked about a lot of these things you see in gen game you see parallel like you know another multiverse's thanos and stuff and the dc universe you've got all sorts of things going on with the multiverse and the crisis on infinite earths and all this other stuff The Watcher specifically says, when talking about how the the preface talks about kind of how Captain America died in World War II in the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe continuity. Such were the events on your world, yet I, the Watcher, may peer into other frames of reality and to the near final day of another Second World War being waged on a quite similar parallel world. So, they were never really considered to be continuity but they were essentially framed as things that did happen in other parallel universes, not as things that were imaginary. Really? What ifs?
0: Oh, okay. The distinction is nebulous at best, but I get, I get, I
1: get the distinction. I guess it's, you call it nebulous. Comic fans in the eighties would have called it fighting words, depending on which side you are, of whether this is an imaginary story that the watcher is kind of, well, this is what would have happened if, or whether it's the watcher saying, I can also see over here where there's another watcher like me, or I'm watching across multiple planes, and this is what happened in this strand of reality. So, in any case, what if number five is called, what if Captain America hadn't vanished during World War II? It's essentially the story of when that rocket goes up that, that blasts Bucky to bits and Cap falls into the ocean and gets frozen into a popsicle. What if instead Cap had made the jump onto the rocket, been able to defuse it, and then he and Bucky are both saved, make their way back to America and after the war, continue on as crime fighters through the next decades. And in fact, Bucky eventually takes over as Captain America with Rick Jones as his sidekick takes over the Bucky role and then eventually Rick Jones takes over the role of Captain America and you get this continuity across the decades where there no, really is no time where there isn't a cap. And so it's an interesting story. Um, again, I think it's kind of cool that it gives you that that ability to see Captain America being able to, you know, not have that tragedy of losing Bucky and and everything else being able to continue through the world so what story by the way written by don glott with an assist from roy thomas penciled by george tusca inked by ross jones colored by george russos lettered by carol lay and warren greenwood and edited by roy thomas who probably that's why he got a writer credit so he was more than likely helping with the uh, the plotting and the like so what did you think of this one sir
0: For my first, what if I, it was really interesting. Like, I guess I don't know what I expected going into it. I knew it was going to be weird because like my knowledge of cap is this. And suddenly this, this big thing about him and him being, you know, kind of the man out of time. Suddenly he's not out of time. He's just living his life and being the superhero. And, And aging and then ultimately kind of, you know, becoming the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all this sort of thing. And it makes sense. But it also is a little weird because it doesn't feel satisfying to me almost. I I don't know a better way of saying it. It just like it like it takes the, the thing that I know concrete about Captain America, Steve Rogers, and turns it on its head. And I just don't know how to feel about that.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the what-ifs did that. Some of them would turn heroes into villains or they would give people different powers or they would have them fail in a way which really uh, makes you makes you think less of the character in many ways. So the the interesting thing is that one of the things that I think most makes this sort of unsatisfying is that Cap doesn't really die in a blaze of glory falling into the ocean in this one. He just progressively gets older and moves yeah. from being Captain America to being like, well, Soldier Serum's getting a little bit, you know, less powerful. I'm starting to get old. Maybe I'll go be director of Shield for a while. And he's got kind of trying to start up a relationship with, you know, Agent 13. That doesn't necessarily work. She's more interested in Bucky, it seems. He's doing all this stuff and he just sort of fades away. And it's
0: Yeah, he's he doesn't feel like a hero almost or as definitely as much. And and even as a director of Shield, you know, you think of of Nick Fury and kind of he's he was the director of Shield for a while and he felt more heroic in that role than Steve Rogers did in this what if.
1: And they showed that in actual fact Fury died in, in one of the wars or something like that. Yeah. So he was not available to take the shield role. And that's one of the reasons why it was available for, um, for Captain America, for Steve Rogers. So I do think that it's it's interesting because it does allow Bucky to come back. And at that point, the idea was Bucky was dead, dead. So this is the first time we'd seen a living Bucky, like a story with new Bucky content in a long time. And there was very little idea that that was going to change anytime in the future but so that part of it in the 70s would have been really interesting i will also note though that the creators on this are not exactly a list creators really george tusca is a very workmanlike kind of artist he's got a lot of credits so he's a good guy but he's not somebody who's going to make a really emotionally resonant kind of comic book so it, plus it was written by don glatt Don wrote something like 60 comic books total, uh, most of them in the early 70s to to mid-70s. A lot of them were were Conan books or Call the the Destroyer type things. He did have some Spider-Man and a few others, but he wasn't somebody who's got a a big footprint in comic book history. Yeah, I think it was a workman-like comic book.
0: I think the other thing that I'll just sort of mention about this particular story is Bucky or Buck as he ends up going as he gets older he wants to be you know Buck instead of uh, Bucky ends up dying trying to kind of save Steve Rogers in this story as well so even it's weird that like you know in the regular sort of continuity we have this this story where you know Steve Rogers isn't able to save bucky and he dies and kind of feels responsible for it yep whether he's is or isn't I guess is is up for some debate there but like even in this what if story we again have a situation where where buck ends up, buck barnes ends up dying and steve rogers is somewhat responsible for it because yep. because he's not able to do the kind of Captain America things he used to be able to do because he's older now. And so it was just uh, there. the tragic irony that even in this other, other universe, in this other situation, Steve Rogers still can't, can't find a way to say, save Bucky. You
1: nope. Know, Bucky, Bucky always has the tragic ending. Mind you, He got a lot more time this time and he got to be Captain yes. America. So yes, it uh it was a better fate than previous, but still, it's it is one of those where in the end he's always he's always got that that career that career path I guess we'd call it or that uh, particular character. is to end the, the
0: destinies that's sort of locked in yep. that he has to the inevitable fate.
1: Yep. and what if comics did that a lot? Actually, a lot of times you would have certain things where they change the premise. And something happens, but then by the time you get to the end of the comic, a particular element that's an important part of the, the Marvel Universe would still end up coming to fruition. Like, there's certain things that are just going to happen even if they get put off for a while or something else occurs or whatever. The the canon event, if you will. It's actually pretty close to being the canon events, yes. But if I think what if, in a lot of ways... Back in the 70s, like the original what-ifs that I remember loving as a kid, were very close in a lot of ways to having that concept, where they used the what-if concept to reinforce that there were just some things that were going to happen, no matter how much sort of the the initial conditions changed. Interesting. Weird as that is.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. I'm glad that I'm glad that we read this book, just because I I it's so different and and interesting to think about. And uh, I I I've seen that you know uh, on Disney Plus they have a What If TV show. I've never watched any of those, but I hear that those are really interesting. They're very and good. If if the comic is any indication, I I think that would be uh, definitely something worth checking out.
1: Comics are wildly divergent because all of them are written and drawn by different people. And sometimes the ideas are better than others. There are some tremendous what if comics and there are some really stinky what if comics out there, but, um, this one was, was good. I think the main thing though, kind of like you mentioned is when we watch the movie next week, there are going to be people who have been fans of captain America for decades who it was immensely satisfying. To see him pop out and talk about how he'd just gotten to live a life and I don't know how much that would affect people maybe who weren't who hadn't been there with that but the movies have spent a lot of time with him you know
0: I, I will tell you that when I first saw Endgame I had not seen Captain America the first Avenger or Winter Soldier and so I did not have that background but now one of the things I'm most looking forward to is just how much more invested in some of these characters I'm going to be. So seeing them, mm-hmm. you know, kind of go through history and then seeing kind of their alternate versions in the t- in the various multiverse and then seeing them pop back up at the end. And then, yeah, Cap's heading back to the doorstep of Peggy Carter is going to be... It's going to probably wreck me just about as much as uh, Mr. Stark hitting, you know, snapping with the gl- gauntlet on, actually. So uh, before I get too emotional, let's move on and let's talk about our next set of books, books which is the Marvel Avengers Endgame
1: Prelude. Yes. Dan, this was weird. This was really weird. This was really weird. Uh, this is a three ga- a three-issue series that was actually written by the guy who is the creative director of research and development for marvel studios so he is not actually a comic book writer so much as he is a uh, a marvel studios guy but he has also written a bunch of comic books many of them tied into these, so he's written like Spider-Man: Homecoming Prelude, Thor: Ragnarok play- Prelude, Black Panther Prelude. A lot of these that have gone on Marvel Universe as sort of, almost like catch you up to get you ready for the movie comic books, right? And in this case, go ahead. You say his name. I didn't catch it if you did. Will Corona Pilgrim, and he has written a bunch of these. Um, the artists on this were Paco Diaz, Dona Sanchez-Almara, and Travis Lanham, edited by CeCe Sabalski, Mark Basso, and Laura Amano. And these came out right before the movie. What is interesting, or not so interesting about these, to the point where I'm not even going to do a recap for you, is that it is exactly the plot and storyline of Avengers Infinity War.
0: Yes, like literally, literally (laughs) like on the title page, it actually mentions the screenplay of the Marvel movie Mm -hmm. that they're taking this from. And, And when you are looking at the books, it's really weird because like the the panels are literally feel like the shots that I saw in the MCU film Infinity War and and they are like the dialogue is the same and and everything it is it is literally like seeing what we saw in infinity war in a comic book it distilled down from a two-hour movie into you know what 24 pages pages, 75 pages yeah uh which is which is interesting and like I'm going to tell you that like, I'm looking at this and I'm reading this and and I think it's one of those things that maybe if I hadn't watched Infinity War recently, maybe I would have gotten something a little bit more out of it. But just sitting there, I didn't get a lot of enjoyment reading this. I was just like, why am I reading this comic book when there's this perfectly good movie that I could be watching instead that would give me this exact same thing? And it, And the other thing that's weird is like, the images of the people look very much like the actors and actresses that are playing them in the in the MCU as well and yeah. so like it it was it was it was really really weird it was weird
1: yep i think this is you know sometimes you see people talk about how they get angry because the movies don't adapt the comic books exactly like that's not the way it happened in the comic book well right this comic book is the way it happened in the movie and it is boring as hell yes right because it's exact there are no surprises there's no cool interesting little interludes or different things to make it somehow interesting or worth checking into this adaptation this is literally a a shadow copy of the movie. And this is what I've never wanted comic book movies to be, is a pale imitation of the stories that were already done well in the comic books by people that I loved and who, you know, had made something cool. And that's why, for the most part, I'm always happy when I go into a movie and they do something interesting and different, and it makes it so that even though I've been reading comic books for 50 years, I can still go in and go, huh, well, that was kind of interesting and different. It's not what I remember from when I was young. You know, they changed it, right? right? Yep. Which can be a little disorienting, but it's better to be disorienting than disoriented than it is to be put to sleep, right? And these comic books put me to sleep. I think the thing is, they just had no kinetic energy to them. The, the panels did look like they were just taken out of, or, or framed out of the comic books, or out of the movie. But that's the problem, is that the movie has all of the intervening parts of the image. You don't need snapshots, you know? And so it, it just, it it fell flat for me. I think it was, it was actually too much for a recap and it was, there was nothing new in it, which made it something for people who remembered the story. Um, there was nothing of value to add. So I'm interested to see what the actual point of these comic books is, why they've made so many of them.
0: That was definitely something that was crossing my mind. I I So I would tell you that like, the artwork in here is is good like there there's some really nice artwork in here and i think they did a really good job of creating panels that basically looked like shots from the movie which you know if you think about the cgi and you think about the actors and actresses the all the all the things that are going on I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. If, if, if I can look at this panel and I'm like, okay, I know exactly where we are in the movie that we're talking about. And I, I recognize the dialogue and everything like this. It was easy to follow. It just, like you said, it just, it was missing something. And it just didn't have that, the thing, it, it didn't have that emotional tie The the weirdest thing actually was the snap itself, too, because you get to the end of book three. Thanos basically rewinds time to take the Mind Stone out of Vision's head, killing him. You see a, you know, you see a grayed out version of Vision on the ground. And then the very next page is a full black panel with just the word snap on it. That's all it said. There was nothing. And then there was one page after that of these the characters that you saw that and them kind of basically starting to and basically evaporating. And it was just like all this sort of emotion and energy and tension and everything that led up to that in the movie that had you just so gut wrenched when it actually happened it just didn't have that same effect when you're when you're reading it in the in these books you nope
1: know, and that i mean maybe it's a matter of it if it had been done differently we'd have still been there I mean, the comics can give you all of that emotion i've seen it, it I've can there yeah uh in this case i'm not sure if it's just because you're getting that uncanny valley effect of Knowing that it's been done someplace else exactly the same way, but better, or if it's that somehow just that idea of when you are trying to just copy something that closely, you do end up kind of losing that dynamism and that emotion, but these books are not are not something I'd really recommend i i have I did not enjoy them, especially because. There's just nothing new in There's actually a note in one of the things I read that said, the only thing that's different is that in the, in the comics, Mantis does not dust like she does in the movie. But there's people who look through it and that's really the only thing they found that's, that's <laughs> different in the, in the, in the, uh, really. Okay. So hopefully, probably she dusted a couple minutes after the comic left the the panel because I'm sure she was still gone. But yeah, kind of crazy, absolutely crazy.
0: All right, we're we're gonna shy away from from those prelude books, I think, going forward, if this is any indication. But let's move on to our final set of books, the Guardians of the Galaxy from 2019. We looked at the first six books. Dan, tell us a little bit about uh, who was involved in making those.
1: This is, again, this is the 2019 series, and we are reading just the first few of these. This is actually a series that kind of starts out in the middle of things, because there's obviously some things going on with Rocket Raccoon, there's some things going on with Gamora and the like. So this comes out of an event called Thanos Wins, which was a a big event about, essentially, Thanos finding ways to get to the end of time and actually accomplish that complete victory he's always talking about. So this starred a lot of those same characters, Silver Surfer, Cosmic Ghost Rider that are in this book that we're reading this week. Yeah. So the books we're reading, uh, written by Donnie Cates, who also the one who wrote the Thanos Winds uh, event series penciled by Jeff Shaw, inked by Shaw as well. Colorist is Mar- Marte Gracia. Letterer Corey Petit It was edited by three people, Darren Sham, Danny Kazam, and Jordan D. White. For the most part, these people remain the same through the issues that we're going to be reading. So I think there's a couple of differences here and there. But a lot of stuff going on in this. There's a lot of characters going on in this. But here's a quick sort of summary of what goes on in issues one through five. We begin with the funeral of Thanos, who's been beheaded and is very, very dead. The reading of his will reveals that Thanos has made plans for just such a death by uploading his consciousness into someone else as a backup. Thanos' brother Eros and the rest of those assembled for the will reading believe that Thanos would have chosen Gamora, and they set out to kill her to prevent Thanos' return. The Black Order attack the funeral and steal Thanos' headless body, and the Guardians end up in the middle of things when a tear in the fabric of space created by the Order deposits Beta Ray Bill, Philovel, Moondragon, and Ghost Rider right in front of their ship. Hela is also working with the Black Order to find Thanos' head, and they eventually track it down in the Negative Zone, while the Guardians fight amongst themselves, and Eros and the Gladiator of the Imperial Guard plot to Camille kill Gamora. Eventually, everyone ends up on Half-World where Gamora has gone in search of Rocket. A huge fight ensues where Star-Lord nearly dies, saving Gamora, who is then taken away by Eros' forces. Beta-Rebel then calls in Lockjaw to help the Guardians track her, but it turns out they arrive too late. Hela has already been there, and taken away the real Thanos' mind-safe, his brother Eros. Lockjaw helps them track him as well, and Gamora manages to kill her uncle Eros, just as Thanos is getting his mind transferred. Hela and Thanos' plan is foiled, and the Guardians get some new members and turn their attention back to just what's going on with Rocket. All right, sir. There we have it. Um, Some interesting books. First off, how many characters do you want in your comic book? And was this too many?
0: Ah. <laughs> uh there was a lot and i i mean i guess i should have expected that given the fact that it's a guardians book and and i mean just typically there ends up being you know half a dozen or so guardians and then but we had the black order we had this like uh shadow dark guardians i think they ended up calling them uh led by eros uh to try and try and track down who who Thanos was going to get uploaded into and and then you had you know all these new new people that were guardians that have never been guardians before shout out to our good buddy Beta Ray Bill was mm-hmm. was definitely not expecting to see beta beta ray bill in in this and uh yeah there was there was a lot, of, a lot of people, and all I can say is, thankfully, we've done this long enough that I knew who most of those people were. I mean, yes. I didn't know who Cosmic Ghost Rider was, to be perfectly honest with you, but outside of, outside of him, I think I knew everybody else, thankfully.
1: Yeah, well, and that's a weird one. I mean, the fact that you actually do know the Ghost Rider, because that's Frank Castle. That is the Punisher. Okay. Doesn't yeah, exactly look I like did the Marker right castle. now. Because yeah. he looks like an interstellar ghost rider. But uh yes, nonetheless. And then there's a few others that, you know, we've we've got. I, I like the fact that Beta Ray Bill was there. I think we can see maybe where that comes from looking at the MCU. That there was that synergy of having Thor hang out with the uh with the Guardians for a long Guardians, time. Guardians, yeah. And then they just sort of, instead of bringing Thor in, they drop in Beta Ray Bill, who, to be quite frank, probably fits even better with their weird little band of like, oh, semi-outlaws, yeah. right? Yeah. And Phylavel, of course, is there, along with Moondragon. philovel we've seen in the MCU because she's the little girl that joins up with the Guardians at the end of the last movie. Yes. So that is a character who will be, if, if we see further... Guardians things. She would be part of the the newer one. Uh, Groot, of course, is there, and Rocket is not. Rocket has gone off and is evidently on his home planet, the one we looked at when we talked about Rocket Raccoon number one way back in the day. The planet with the toy Mm. makers and stuff. He's he's returned to that planet. And Gamora's not there as well because she has gone to find Rocket. So... So I kill Rocket. It I, I seems. believe I believe technically, although she's really not gonna kill Rocket, so she's gone to find Rocket and then sit sure. there broodingly thinking about killing him, but not actually do it, probably. So sure. um as things as things started though, we had all these other characters because Thanos has been beheaded and he's dead, but it turns out he's threatened that, you know, somewhere he's put his consciousness where he can be resurrected. And so everybody's first idea is well he probably did it to Gomorrah because it had to be someone he had access to all along. And so then they're like well let's kill Gomorrah then because then once she's dead he won't be able to do anything. So turns out that was not the actual plan.
0: No. I, so it's I'm going to tell you I liked this story. I thought this story was interesting. The story when we were reading about Kind of a summation of it or why we might want to take a look at it was the idea of it being a a post-Thanos world. And I was totally expecting that there was going to be some new big bad or something really interesting that happens as a result of the fact of Thanos dying. But we find out really quick that really this is all about Thanos still and and it is you know he's got this consciousness that he's going to implant in somebody presumably against their will and i don't know i i was i was a bit disappointed i'm going to be perfectly honest with you i think i think i think the art in here is really great and mm-hmm. i i just i think i was expecting a di- different story than i got and like i don't know the characters were interesting and everything but like I think the most interesting thing about it is i didn't realize hella and thanos were a thing apparently they they were r r so much so that she was not un was not happy that uh that he had died and was like leading the black order to try and get him resurrected and um oh
1: that's kind of they they never were death used to always be depicted Uh differently it was just like you know this weird skeleton in a cloak kind of thing but Hela has now sort of taken over because she's the she's like the goddess of death but she's not death so I had always thought of her more as like almost like a priestess of a god you know because she is he is a goddess of death but she's not death Like one of the dream of the endless kind of deaths in the, in the DC context. So, but yeah, evidently it's still enough that she's quite hot for Thanos because she can't help herself because all of, all of the people involved with death that just love him. So there you go.
0: I don't know, but like, and then, but yeah, the most interesting, the most interesting thing is like, what is going on with rocket? Why is he away? why is our people basically they don't want to talk about him they don't want to acknowledge that he's probably on half world you know they go to they go there and basically the only way they're able to get Gamora to leave is to promise to come back to find Rocket after this is all done and uh she doesn't get killed by the the dark guardians and 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 all of that but and then yeah. and then it turns out by the way That, you know, the consciousness goes into to Eros, into Star Fox, Thanos's brother, who it's like, oh, he's like, oh, I guess I should have figured that, you know, it could have been me, too, you know, because he's leading the charge to stop Thanos from being resurrected or being having his conscience put into the moron. It's like he's he has to be like, oh, I'm. Here, here, here's some nice crow I I've been eating that I didn't realize I should have
1: been. Well, and they they kind of laid out the the little you know hints all along. It's gotta been somebody he's had Thanos has had access to for a long time so that he can plant these seeds and whatever. It's like, well, it's his brother. Who is he? Has he had more time to corrupt than his brother? So, yeah, kind of kind of interesting. Poor Starfrocks. Luckily. If it makes you feel any better, he's kind of a jerk. So, if uh, if if he did happen to go away permanently, it wouldn't be a big a big uh, loss to the galaxy in a lot of ways. So,
0: and he gets like torched, like his face gets all caught on yeah, fire or something weird because they
1: hella blew like everybody into a black hole or something like that, or that that one team did and he was he yeah. was brought out by the imperial the shiar imperial guard which are they're kind of the the ones that um they've been in the x-men comics and lil andra is charles xavier's girlfriend he's the one who it was her ship like an imperial guard ship that was the one that binary was on last week a couple of weeks ago yeah so a couple weeks ago but yeah so that's the the imperial guard is a is a relatively long-standing part of things so the biggest of the ones that they had to worry about was gladiator obviously he's kind of the leader of the imperial guard and he's really almost superman essentially he's like in a, an extraterrestrial oh. superman guy is very tough so he's uh he's not an easy person to defeat but most of the people that came after uh that came after her were pretty significant uh pretty significant enemies you've got most of the black order coming after you've got a lot of the the big bads like silver surfer and you know cosmic ghost rider all these guys have just crazy powers plus nebula just being devious and awful which she a lot of times is in the comics and so yeah that's yeah so these were these were weird i i think One of the interesting things about this is just that idea that once you get rid of a big bad, where do you go from there, you know? And in some ways, this is the question Marvel's been asking itself for the last, or the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been asking itself. Where do we go after Thanos, you know? You may hate him, but him being gone leaves a hole because there is a predator that big, has an awful lot of... An awful lot of people's attention sort of bound up in them. And once that is gone, that attention's going to go someplace else. So, how does the universe change once he's not there? And it was, it's an interesting start. Of course, Thanos is back because he never stays dead, even if you chop his head off and then <laughs> halfway roast his shadow copy that he made of himself. So, but it's, uh, it is interesting to see. So, yeah, I, I like these. I do think it's interesting how really soap opera-y all of the guardians are, because you know at a certain point, even though even though his girlfriend tried to kill him, Peter Quill can't help it. He just has to go and save her because that's kind of what he does. So then, as at a certain point, Gamora is in danger of being hit by some blast, and he jumps in front of her to save her. Everybody's like, "Oh, he's dead." He's like, no, I've got body armor now. You know why because my girlfriend shivved me with a big spike and so now i've learned maybe i should have armor on but she uh yeah
0: i did i did think it was weird that this is like the second series now that that basically ends with a with an issue where star lord has died yeah. and i'm just like oh, apparently that's the thing to do now in the more recent comics it's we need to kill off star lord for some reason
1: yeah He's or gross. at least make it look like he, he is. Look, it didn't last very long. It was maybe a page. No, they no. They,
0: like, basically like kick... They, they they literally kick him at the start of the next issue. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, and he, he, like, wakes up.
1: Yep. What I found really interesting is that one of the, the scenes, the scene that shows her killing him, and I don't know if this is the panel from the comic where she stabbed him before, but it's almost a a beat-for-beat beat repeat of the pose of bullseye stabbing Electra in the famous Frank Miller comic. So they're always playing with old sort of, you know pre- previous previous issues in history and stuff like that. So that was kind of that was kind of interesting and, and a nice callback. But yeah, so they've evidently been having problems. Looks like Groot is continuing to try and, and see if he can take over the ship from Quill. Uh, he's got little tiny versions of himself running all over, causing trouble and everything. So... It, it they, they call him Stab. I am Stab. Yes. <laughs> so, I, I like him. I think that the, the recent Guardians books have been a lot of fun. They've They've done a nice job. They maintain a very... If you like the MCU, I think some of those books are some of the best tonal sort of places to come into marvel comics from the movies because they very much do kind of have that feeling of action and expansive adventure but then also a lot of humor and and a lot of heart as well i'm interested to find out we're going to disqualify the endgame stuff but so we had some very modern books and we had a very 70s comic book which of these did you actually like better
0: that's tough I I so I think I'm gonna go with the Guardian story because like the idea around it I think was interesting and there was a lot of characters there I think the just the sort of the book that gave me the most reaction was the what if though yep like it like actually made me think and made me feel bad uh. Doing it, but like it, it, it definitely it got to me, and I thought about it a, a fair amount after reading the book, um, and and so I think that might that might qualify it as being a favorite, or it might not. I I don't exactly know.
1: Well, it's interesting because there's no question that from a craft standpoint, the modern books are more readable the art is a lot more sort of detailed and and complete the colors are just a world different and better but those books back from a simpler time the stories were not nearly as as complex but they they did actually kind of hit you a little more and and there've been so many People who've just died and came back and so much happens and it happens so, so quickly in the modern books that, you know, that story where you see one guy who actually had been dead in the comics for 40 years coming back for a little while and how that would have changed. There is a lot more resonance in that than in these newer books, because in the newer comics, I think most people are just like, yeah, well, whatever. It's just gonna change next week anyways you know Thanos died. oh oh well what will we do now without a Thanos in the universe you know so right. he'll, he'll be back next week. don't worry about it. So yeah I I liked I liked both of them. Um, I think I actually did like the the what if better just because it was a more complete story in terms of you didn't really need to to read a bunch of other stuff. it just kind of worked you know So the other thing there's a bunch of different art styles as well this week. What did you what did you think of the art? I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but
0: Yeah, I really really liked the art in the Guardians books. That was Jeffrey Shaw mm-hmm. that did the pencils and specifically I want to call out David Marquez who did the cover art on all six of these books. There are some amazing looking covers across yep. these six six issues. Uh, you know, in it, there's the the first issue shows our new guardians, even though we didn't know who they were going to be at the start of the book. You know, the second issue is just Thanos's head and 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 like, you know, a portrait shot of just his head all, all the way to the very last book, uh, book six, where you saw basically kind of almost in a sort of Civil War sort of setup. You had the, the Dark Guardians. And the and the Guardians of the Galaxy just kind of all on the page, getting ready to fight one another. I just I really really was impressed by the the covers on all of these. Uh, in the in the books themselves, I thought they were really well done. I really liked the way Beta Ray Bill looked, and mm-hmm. as well as some of the other characters, they looked very recognizable. They looked very consistent across all the books as well, and even Than a dead Thanos was looked surprisingly imposing even in a, you know, decapitated state nope. in a stasis field.
1: No, nope, I would, I would agree. Marvel covers the, they have a number of people who sort of specialize now just in doing covers for them and they are fantastic, but those are, those are really nice. And yeah, the art, the art and the colors just a, just excellent in, in a lot of these modern books and the guardians definitely were. So I would agree there's a uh, there's very little way to compare you know i I have a soft spot in my heart for George Tusca, but I don't really think that uh his his art stands up with the stuff being done thirty five years later so sorry George
0: all right let's look ahead to where we're what we're going to be covering next week and uh, I mean it's 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 pretty obvious where we're going but it's like Go ahead, Dan, tell us. Finishing
1: off the saga, uh, we had Infinity War, and now we're headed for Endgame. So we've watched the two movies that were kind of our interludes while they got ready for it. Uh, Infinity War and Endgame were almost exactly one year apart. And so now we're going to head to 2019, and we are going to finish off Phase 3.
0: The long-awaited, I think, uh, conclusion Mm -hmm. to the Infinity War saga that, as you said at the beginning of the episode, I think really, really did stick the landing. So I am very, very excited to watch that this week and talk to you about it uh, next week. Yep,
1: going to be exciting.
0: All right. And with that, that is going to wrap it up for us for this week. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing on your podcast player of choice. That way you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. If you're new to the podcast or you've been with us from the beginning, we'd love to get your thoughts on the show or the comic books that we read this week. Maybe you read the preludes and actually liked them. We'd love to hear your thoughts on those. You can send us those comments via email, that address is comments at comics We're also available on social media on X at comics over time, as well as blue sky at comics over time. Dan, surprisingly, I have not watched Endgame more than a couple times because of just how much that ending wrecks me. And it's been a while since I've seen it. And I am very interested in seeing just how the movie impacts me now, now that I have all these other movies and this much deeper love for all those characters that we see throughout th- throughout that film. I, I am fully expecting to be an absolute mess by the end of the film.
1: It uh, it is going to be interesting. I will. I always love this one. I've watched it a number of times. You know, we, we only had to wait like a month now. I remember the the one year waiting between watching the end of Infinity War and getting to see this was a very interesting time full of, of many, many uh, sort of thoughts from everybody on what was going to happen. So it's going to be exciting. Looking forward to it.
0: All right. Until
1: next week, everyone. Take care. All right. See you later, folks.